First on film and entertainment, the end of year spectacular to determine the best and worst movies of 2023. Alex First is my name. Joining me, the one and only Jackie Hamilton, who occasionally puts in an appearance and sometimes remembers what time it is. Hello, Jackie. Well, then you value me more than ever. Thank you so much, Alex, and good morning to everyone. And I basically triple your income as a result because we care for you so deeply and passionately. That's what it's all about, Peter Krause. You're the second recalcitrant of the group. And, you know, I'm just, I'm dreading what your top 10 is going to be. Is that, is that <laughs> the right attitude I have? Yes? Uh, be afraid, be very afraid. Uh, exactly. Greg King, can you bring some sense into this conversation? Welcome. Hello. Hello, and I get it. Yeah, exactly. This is going to be uh, fun and mayhem for all times. Now, Okay, we are going to do it this way, and we're doing this on the run, and it all gets mucked up, and don't worry about it. It'll work out in the wash. Firstly, we are going to go to your worst movies, and I'm going to kick it off with something I've not done before. Usually, I have a bottom 10 and some underbubblers. This year, undoubtedly, one movie has stood the test of time and stood out as being appalling, and... That is the only film I'm going to mention because the rest are better than this and not in the same ballpark. So I'm going to start with my worst. I'll call it, and I'm not sure what to say, the dog of the year, but dogs are beautiful. So it's probably faint praise, but it's called Alleluia. And I cannot think of too many films I've detested more than this British drama based on a 2018 play of the same name, by Alan Bennett. It's set in a small geriatric hospital in West Yorkshire, threatened with closure due to National Health Service funding cuts. And the most loyal of staff is a doctor called Valentine, for whom nothing to do with a patient and patient care is ever too much. The head nurse, played by Jennifer Saunders, is about to be honoured for her services to the hospital. And a film crew is invited to document a volunteer-led effort to save this particular institution. That includes interviewing the chairman of the board and several residents, including one played by Derek Jacobi. One that is not interviewed, though, but who's given an iPad to record her experiences is a retired librarian played by Dame Judi Dench. And arriving at the hospital to visit his sick father, who happens to have been a former coal miner, is a management consultant to the health secretary who recommended closing the facility. So you can imagine how popular he is. Anyway, I thought I was watching a really bad play. Most of the elderly patients were nothing more than caricatures. And the movie is just mired in this paternalistic nonsense. Looked like, it felt like a PR exercise extolling the virtues of caring for patients. I mean, hey, we know about all of that. And when this Dr. Valentine broke the fourth wall to speak directly to us, the audience... It actually, I, I genuinely believe it made my skin crawl. If you want to know what Dull looks like, try to sit through the first five-sixths of Alleluia. Uh, something happens thereafter that, you know, is the only reason I gave it a score at all. Because really, very little does happen to that point. I was constantly looking at my watch, imploring the film. I was begging the film to take off. And to me, that really gets down to the writing and direction because a decent list of actors has actually been assembled. So here's the bottom line, folks. If you are considering seeing Alleluia, please think again. I wished I had less than five minutes 
after entering the cinema. My dog of the year, Alleluia, which I gave a two out of ten. Jackie Hamilton, your dogs of the year. Okay, I'll give you my dogs of the year, but the um, uh, Alleluia, just by the way, on IMDb, I just looked it up, gets a six out of ten. So you're all, all on your lonesome with that well, one, Alex. They got it wrong. It's all right. That, they're yeah, like okay. you and Peter. You often get it wrong. They get it wrong. I don't have a worst 10. I have a worst 8 I came up with because I think I've managed to avoid quite a few of the bad ones of 2023. Clever, Jacqueline. I'm not going to give a big rundown on each of them. I'll basically give the titles, and if you want to say a bit about each one or mention what it was about. No, we'll we'll, we'll move through these quickly so we can get to the the really important parts, which are the good ones. Uh, There were four films that I gave a 3 out of 10. Mm -hmm. They were After Sun. Oh, my golly. Jackie, I will comment on that. After Sun is in my top 10 great movies of the year. Okay, what you can have that. What are you on? What are you on? Keep going. Experimental, I call it dodgy. Um, another one with three out of 10 is EO, which was a, a film I was really looking forward to about, um, you know, a tale of life through a donkey's eyes. Yeah. It was just horrible. Yeah. Uh, another one that I gave three out of 10 was Foe. Um, and disappointingly, Saoirse Ronan in this weird sci-fi it was thing, right. I just didn't get it, and it was creepy. creepy. And it was- shot, in, shot in Victoria, shot right here, beautiful landscape, earth, earthen landscape. That yeah, shot in in, in Victoria. Yeah. Okay, great. Didn't know. Didn't care. Um, three out of ten for my sailor, my love, which was just terribly depressing and morose. Uh, getting worse, I gave two out of ten to two films. One is The Rooster, which is uh, just a fairly recent one with Hugo Weaving in, and um, it was about a, a an aggressive rooster and naked people in the forest, and right. I didn't know why it was even made. Another Australian film, Slant, which was about a young journalist mm-hmm. trying to write a story about a mystery of a dead woman and not not understanding journalism or defamation or research or ethics or anything at all. So that was baffling. But the worst two of the year for me were The Big Dog and Cocaine Bear. So that was... Uh, Come on, Cocaine Bear. It's some laughs in it. It was a one-joke one joke film, so I gave it one point. Oh, my That's God. So, that, so was that your worst of the year? Juice, toilet humour, adult men acting like juvenile delinquents in the forest. No thanks. So was that your worst of the year, if you had to give one film the worst? The Big Dog and Cocaine Bear. So in other words, you can't split them in terms of bad? As bad as each other. Fair enough. Talking about bad, Greg, give us yours, please, mate. Uh, Again, we'll race through these as quickly as we can so we can get the good ones. I've tried to erase half those films from my mind, but we'll see how we go. Um, mm-hmm. This list includes a couple that Jackie mentioned, but we'll start with Haunted Mansion, an unnecessary remake of the um, old Eddie Murphy film. Oh, well, right. Rubbish. Rubbish. Okay. Stop interrupting. Um, I had in the photo as well the Garth Davis sci-fi drama with Saoirse Ronan and Paul Miskell. Um, I can write Insidious, The Red Door, Um as a step too far for that series. Um, a thing called The Machine, which was a um, vanity project for some sort of American comedian, 
um, on wild, wacky spy adventures with Mark Hamill playing his father. Didn't like it. Not funny. I didn't like Saint Amir, the um, French drama, courtroom drama. It left. Oh cold. wow! I, I thought it was fantastic, Greg. I, yeah. I, I think this, I think is, this is my time, Alice, not yours. I know we are. We are, I'm, I'm allowed to comment on the fact that you're you're turning into Peter and Jackie. That's that's the <laughs> where I can see you're getting. Keep going. Um, I did put Hallelujah down there in in the, in my list of films I enjoy. Hallelujah, so, wonderful. I also put in there Saw Ten, which I thought just um graphic torture oh. porn. It turned me off. That was well done. Okay. I know it was a Sydney. Um, it was Sydney, Black yeah. Grid Wedding Three. Yes. Yeah. Um, everybody loves Dean, a French drama. I, I just went on and on and on. It was way too long for what it had to say. So you, you that, didn't like Jean? No, I didn't love it. I didn't love Jean. Um, no. I put in there. I know you, you, you and Peter liked it a bit more than we did, but the film that we saw for the Scandinavian film festival, Let the River Run. I just sort of ah didn't like that much at all. A thing called Issy and I, I put in there. And my worst film of the year, I saw earlier in the year, as a supposed alleged romantic comedy called The Honeymoon, that a guy goes on a honeymoon in Italy um, but, and his best mate, a loudmouth doofus moron, accompanies him and gets him in trouble there. I thought you couldn't go wrong making a film in Italy with its lovely scenery, um, wine, food and all that, but boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Greg. Okay, <laughs> I like the descriptor. All right, Mr. Rakowski, himself, Peter Krauss, come on down, guys. All right, I actually compiled a list of twenty films oh, that were the worst God. of the year, but I won't. I won't go through oh, those. Don't worry. Um, stick to. Have you only seen six hundred and thirty-three films this year. Uh, did you count up how many you'd seen? It, it, look, it was certainly in the 400s uh, because wow. of film festivals and other things. But, yeah, anyway. Um, and I must admit... If you if you think about dark places, just imagine Peter sitting next to you. That's basically what we're saying. Keep going. Thank you very much. <laughs> It'll be me, myself and I on the list. Yes, exactly. Talk about creeping dark places. Keep going, yes. <laughs> Oh, as I said, be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah. Um, and I also have to say, Alleluia was not a bad film. Oh, my golly. <laughs> it's oh. I agree with you, Peter. I actually quite liked it. Uh, of course you would. The two of you need a spanking. Keep going, please. Well, make your pardon. Please. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're doing dark rooms is up to you, Alex. Pardon me? What was that, Greg? You're doing dark rooms is up to you. It is. Anyway, my, my top or worst 10 films of the year, and I'll just go through them quickly. Uh, a lot of these, it's mainly because of writing. Uh, I, I look at the scripts, I look at the story, and if they don't make sense or if they're not well written, then I immediately dismiss them. That's so, Sorry, Peter. It's quite yes. Serious. You said you had 20. Just Can you go through your underbubblers or you don't have those handy? The, the ones that... If, if you just want the titles, I'm happy yeah, to. Just give me the titles, please. All right. The Underbubblers, Gran Turismo, Super Mario Brothers movie, Mafia Mama, Cocaine Bear, Saw yeah. X, um, One True Loves, uh, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, um, um, Hypnotic, uh, Pope's Exorcist, 65. There you go. There we go. All right. So are you, have you numbered these? The tenth worst to the worst, or have you just given us the the, the worst ten in in a, in a clump? 
I <laughs> in a clump. That's a good name for a film. Uh, I'm actually going from ten to one. So okay. I'll start with number ten, uh, and I'll start with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. What a waste of time that film was. Uh, it's hit a watery grave, has it? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Next is Blue Beetle. Uh, these superhero movies are really getting on my wick, and I don't mean John's wick. Um, uh, number uh, eight, worst film, Knock at the Cabin, M. Night Shyamalan mm -hmm. uh, produced I a did, turkey I, there. I enjoyed that. I thought it was, was that had, it had elements. <laughs> yes, but they were buried far beneath under the DNA. It's right. Uh, number seven, Magic Mike's Last Dance. What a, a waste of a movie okay. that was. Don't you, don't you like seeing writhing bodies that was sort of semi-naked? Is this what not, we're saying here? Not in the cinema, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> there used to be cinemas in Melbourne that specialise in that kind of thing, Alex. Correct. So, three. Yes, <laughs> do they still exist? I, I haven't checked no. them out lately. No, okay. No. Okay, uh, moving right along, we forgot through the dredges of the cinema this year. Number six, um, uh, where are we? Number five. Now, my Big Fat Greek Wedding, number three, was yeah. uh, just poorly written. It, it should have been much better than it was. Mm -hmm. Then I had Expendables 4, which was um, just a cobbled together action movie without a script. Uh, number three, I must say that the new Hunger Games film disappointed me so much that I put it in the oh, worst. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great, but I didn't think it was a terrible film. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the second worst film of the year is Exorcist Believer, which uh, gave such a bad name to the original Exorcist yeah, film. Yeah, it was disappointing, absolutely. Okay. I, again, I'm not sure that I'd put it down that low, but it did disappoint, yeah? And okay. Here's, here's the big one. Drum roll, worst film of the year, Fast X, The Fast and the Furious. Uh, $200 million plus was spent on the special effects, the car chases, the, um, all the effects in the film, and they spent $2.20 on the script, uh, mainly because every second line was, it's all about family. Yeah. I was I, ready to run screaming out of the cinema after yeah, watching that. I, I totally agree, Peter. It was... They've hammered it to such an extent that it's lost any value whatsoever. And even though people who are car mad will go along and see something like this, gee whiz, it was pedestrian. So I I understand that choice. But you are on Jair. You are listening to Jackie Hamilton, Greg King, Peter Krauss, and myself, Alex First, talking about the worst films and about to be the best films of the year just gone, 2023. So, by the way, if you want to become a member of JAIR, please do become a member of the community. 54 bucks, go to j-air.com.au and you can sign up. We'd love to have you on board as an official community member. Let us turn now to our worst, from our worst to our best films of the year. And again, we'll count them down. There'll be some underbubblers as well, but um, given that we'll, we'll pay most attention to, if you like, the top three uh, and given that we've got a limited time frame, we're not going to go on more than uh, more than about 40 minutes in total. So let us start, Jackie, with you. Have you got any underbubblers in terms of the good ones? I do, and I've given underbubblers, or as I've called them, honourable mentions, to the films that I gave an 8 out of 10 to, and I think that's yeah. a fair, yep. fair mark to give uh, films and that deserve a mention. For various reasons. Do you want me to, just to give the titles and run yeah, through please, that? Please, yeah. I, okay. Jackie. 
So, so there's a there's a dozen of these, but just running through quickly. Um, surprise, fun fantasy adventure. Well, I surprised myself liking it so much. It was Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. They were there for a good time. Uh, Subtraction, which was an Iranian mystery. It's just a recent release um, about a glitch uh, between two families who have a. a but has, a, that, has that come out, or is that coming out next year? I believe so. Oh, okay. Keep going. Yep. Fine. If not, I'll represent it next year. How's that? Yes, you can do that. Mm-hmm. One that I gave an eight to was Air, the story, the Nike story. Yeah, with that was really strong. Enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. Women Talking, I thought was a very thoughtful, um, important and beautifully shot film. I, I can get myself into a lot of trouble thinking about what I'm thinking. Not a t- okay. The Killer. Um, again, surprised uh, this Netflix film starring Michael Fassbender. It just had a different approach um, to um, the story of, uh, you know, uh, from a, the point of view of uh, an assassination attempt. I thought that was, it went really well. It, it had my heart pumping, that's for sure. The unusual little um, story called Scrapper. Um, about a quirky characters of a girl who was um, fending for herself until her um, unlikely father turned up over the back fence after mm-hmm. her mother had. Um, One Life, of course, the um, yes. Anthony Hopkins and the younger actor Johnny Flynn, the way he just absolutely superbly portrays Anthony Hopkins at all. The character uh, um, as a young man. I thought that was beautiful film, um, but it was just very annoyingly ruined by the trailers that showed the ending, even though it's a true story and maybe we know the ending, but I didn't, and then, but I did because I saw the trailers. Um, I'll give an eight to Paris Memories, which I thought was a f- fabulous. Um, what do we call it? It's kind of a psychological thing of, of there's a, there's a, um, a shooting crime, a shooting spree in a restaurant, and it's yes. the way a woman and other participants or survivors there piece together their lives after that. I thought that was quite special. I liked my old school. The, the, it's based on the true story of um, a man who um, wanted to become a doctor and study medicine but um, failed at school, and then he returned to school when he was 30 years old. <laughs> and yes. it's a true story. Amazing true story. story. I, I agree. Yeah. I, it's so in my story. top 12. I, I thought it was extraordinary. I, and I like the documentary style mixed with the this little animation stuff going on. And then the man himself, who's the subject of this documentary, did the voiceover but didn't want to appear in it. So Alan Cumming lip-synced his dialogue. I just thought that was... Anything. Wasn't he amazing? I, I, it, it's just the most bizarre... The making of this in itself deserves a film. It, the story it, just kept going, escalating and escalating, and you couldn't believe that it, there could be another chapter to it. I loved it. My old school. Uh, Maestro, I gave an eight to, um, which uh, uh, similar to Tar, I just thought, you know, to be both about the conductor, composer, um, fabulously shot, and, of course, Bradley Cooper directing it as well. The Crime is Mine, which is this fun, fun, fun French melodrama yeah. set in the third 30s um, about, you know, feminism and police procedures and courtroom drama. I really enjoyed it. It was a rich film. Yeah, it's a last film show about a, a, an Indian boy is fascinated by cinema and uh, that brought a tear to my eye. I thought it was just absolutely beautiful. Well, no, it's good. So there, there you're under bubblers and, and now we're down to the top 10. But before we do that, 
we might um, we might get the underbubblers from Greg. Do you have any, Greg? I have quite a few. Yes, I won't go into as much detail. No, please do whatever you I'll can. Go, I'll go through a few of them for you. Um, some of my underbubbles were Pearl, which was a sequel to Arm um, X, which I really enjoyed. Unlike yeah. Jackie, I did enjoy Cocaine Bear. It was in one of my underbubblers. Um, the Australian horror film Talk to Me, most unusual, unexpected. Um, uh, the Blue Caftan, Kaft- um, a nice little film from Morocco. Um, um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, great animation there, I thought was really good. I agree with Jackie the Killer, was one of my underbubblers there. Um, the New Zealand comedy Red, White and Brass, about a team um, um, trying to um, get find their way into the um, Rugby World Cup there, and they tend to be a brass band. I thought it was quite funny. Well done. Um, no Hard Feelings, a raunchy teen comedy with Jennifer Lawrence. Um, Fully naked Jennifer Lawrence is good, quite a bit of good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I also had in there a French film called Driving Madeline, um, a charming little French film about this taxi driver who drives this elderly lady across Paris and the way they connect. Just a charming little film there. I also put in there a bit of for a guilty pleasure, Mission Impossible, Dead, Re- Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, which had a couple of the best action sequences for a while there, especially with the um, train sequence at the end there. Yeah, so I thought the train sequence was mind-blowingly good. I totally agree. Peter, you're under bubblers? Okay, yes, I had about uh, 17 of those, so I'll very quickly go through them. I won't uh, say too much. Uh, Close, the uh, Belgian film about yeah, the, uh, the two boys. My, my top 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good film. Women Talking, I thought really well-written, nicely performed. I thought Babylon had been savaged by so many people, and I thought it was a really interesting exploration of uh, silent cinema. Um, of an Age, uh, a very good Australian film. Um, I also liked The New Boy. Um, yes, John Wick. Good. Yep, John Wick Four uh, surprised me. I really liked it. Um, Theatre Camp, I think, was uh, that was, was pretty good. Clever, very. Yeah, good. it mm. was. Master Gardener, uh, Paul Schrader. Yes, that surprised me, Peter. I, I, I was really taken by it. I, I thought, it, uh, Jackie, didn't you say you, you didn't like that one at all, did you? I nearly went on my worst list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, because you, you simply thought... Uh, so wooden, I just couldn't get into it. I didn't get it. Yeah. Okay. Peter? Uh, I thought Barbie was pretty good, um, surprisingly. I, I didn't think I was going to like it. Um, One Life, um, uh, as uh, Jackie's mentioned, very good film. Um, I also had Saltburn uh, knocking on the door of my top ten. Yeah. Uh, Wonka also uh, was pretty good. That was really that. good, considering you know th- th- there's judgments made because the Willy Wonka story had been told in different forms previously. I thought it was a terrific film for the family. You could take along your, your parents, your grandparents, as well as the, the youngsters, and everybody could get something out of it. And I, I thought Timothy Chalamet did a great job. Yes, and don't forget it's an origin story, so it's yeah. not a remake. And uh, I notice a few people have been saying it's a remake. It's not. Mm. Um, and um, my final four uh, knocking on the door film, so to speak, Boy and the Heron, the Miyazaki uh, yeah. Animation is is really uh, really uh, interesting. Royal Hotel, uh, good strong Australian outback really, film. Really, but and it, it's based on a documentary that we'd seen as well, which was also very strong. I prefer Correct. the documentary. Uh, cool. You prefer the jo- doco, did you, Jackie? Yeah, I thought the doco blew my mind when I saw that too. I it was really distressing, to be honest. And so is this movie. Have, 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Air, I agree, was was yeah. pretty good in terms of the story. EO, I'm sorry, I liked that film about the donkey's journey. I think it had so much to say about humanity. And my other um, film, Knocking on the Door, Leave the World Behind, a film that leaves you thinking and discussing so many issues in that film. Fantastic. Well, look, uh, folks uh, on JR88FM, I did what Jackie did. I basically looked at my scores and all of these films received an eight and a half or above and then I had to order them and that's where I got the top 12. So my 12th best film was My Old School, which Jackie, was that you mentioning that? I think you did. That was the the documentary uh, comedy drama, one hour, 44 minutes, the true tale of 16-year-old Scott Brandon Lee, not the, the actor son of Bruce Lee. Quite remarkable. And uh, it's directed by Lee's former classmate, John O'McLeod. Uh, the way his story unfolds is quite simply mind-blowing. I thought that was very, very special indeed. So that was number 12. Number 11, again, not sure who referenced close. Was that you, Peter? Or was... Yes, I said close. Yeah. Yeah, that's one hour, 44-minute drama. Inseparable best friends, Leo and Remy, 13-year-olds, they play together, they race one another in the fields, they ride their bikes in tandem with reckless abandon, and uh, and then things happen. So it was Belgium's nomination for Best International Feature at the Oscars, and it won the Grand Jury Prize at Cannes as well last year. So sensitive, distressing, coming-of-age drama characterised by beauty and set and darkness. So they were my my 11th and 12th. So let's now just get, and I'm really deliberately mixing this up. Jackie, what was your 10th best film of the year? Oh, well, um, but as I said, I went, the ones I've mentioned, my honourable mentions all got eight out of 10. Yeah. I've got seven that got eight and a half out of 10. I've, I've, you, you, didn't, you, didn't, sorry, order, you didn't order them? Like, yes, they're in order. So in that case, if I need to go, like there's a couple at eight and a half that are in my eight and a half group that I need to say first, and then I'll be up to my top 10. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Haven't I got your underbubblers? That's my fault. So, okay. (laughs) What what, what are those that that come below 10 that you can take? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Okay. Um, There are three of them. One is the old oak. Yes. Which you've already mentioned. One is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, which is a the Oscar-winning short film, an animation. Oh. And I told you 15 or 20 or 300 times to go and see it, Alex, but I'm not sure that you actually did. But hang on. I, I didn't know we were doing short films, but okay, fine. Keep it going. Was that I saw, and it won an Oscar, so I think it's valid. Anyway, yes. that's my decision. Yes. If, if you want to fight me in the back of the schoolyard later. That's fine. And better also on eight, Peter in the dark place. Also on eight and a half was close that you've just mentioned. I thought that was that the boys in that were I mean, yeah. they weren't even acting. They were just they they are stunning natural performances by those two boys. I loved that film. Yes, agree. So so are we now down to number ten? Yes. We got there. Yes, I'm down to ten now. Okay, so what is your tenth best film of twenty twenty three? Tar. That's all right. As long as you do your P's and Q's, you can say tar as well. Now, okay, so so amongst the rest of us, uh, did any did any of the others have tar in there? Tar was my second best movie of the year. Kate Blanchett just blew me away. 
Jackie, wasn't she extraordinary in terms of what she's putting out? Yeah. Just and it was a fascinating escalation of a really unlikable and increasingly more and more unlikable character. Mm-hmm. Um, her so fascinating. Um, and the detail in all the orchestral work, and that was mind-blowing. Mind you, I thought Maestro came pretty close to it. I've only got half a point between them. Well, it's, yeah. I, well, okay. So, so you've got Tar at number. Sorry, what number is Tar? I've gone blank now. Ten. Is that ten? Okay. Ten. So, what about you, Peter and Greg? Did you have Tar in your top ten or not? Tar was on my list for last year. Okay. Yeah, we had a discussion about that. It was only released, general release this year. That's the reason we put it on. Greg, what about you? No, it was, would have been one of my underbubblers. Okay, fair enough. So, okay, Jackie, you gave it, and was that an eight and a half or a nine for Tar? So eight and a half. Yep, eight and a half. And I had it at nine out of ten, and that's and I ordered my nines, and this was the top nine, and therefore got number two position. Okay, um, Greg King, what was your number ten film, please? I've got a, a tie between two guilty pleasures with this one. Yes. Um, John Wick Chapter 4, which was something of yes. a guilty pleasure, violent film, um, high body count, a couple of the best action sequences seen in recent memory with that fight in outside the um, Tom Salise, outside the um, Arctic Triumph there and that fight on the stairs. Mm-hmm. So, and I had that finished World War Two film, Sister there, ultra bloody. It was ultra so bloody. much fun. So much fun, Greg. Yeah, good on you. World War II drama um, has echoes of Tarantino and Sergio Leone. Stylish yet bloody, but proved to be stylishly and surprisingly entertaining. So that was that, those were my number 10. And Peter? Uh, my number 10 film was the best Australian film this year, and that was Shader, even though it has missed out on being shortlisted uh, at the Oscars for, uh, for next year. It nevertheless is such a powerful little film about uh, a woman who's uh, trying to avoid being abused and looking after her daughter, and it's just a, a beautifully made film. Mm-hmm. Okay, and my number 10 film is one that's been mentioned as well, I think by Jackie, the French comedy crime drama, The Crime is Mine. I gave that an eight and a half out of 10, uh, an hour, 42 minutes, sumptuous, scrumptious delight. And look, it really got to me from the get-go. It was sort of in Paris in 1935, and... Really loved everything about the movie. Bright and breezy, charmingly preposterous and beautifully scripted and pieced together. Twists of plenty and uh, exaggerated affectations adopted by the actors suited the work perfectly. So that was my number 10. Jackie, what is your number nine film of the year? Number nine, Sick of Myself. So different. Norwegian black comedy. Do you remember that? It was not that long ago. It was, what, October or something? Uh, that's the guy. That's the person wrapped in, in toweling or something. It's a, 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 a very self-centred young woman who's attention-seeking, addicted to social media, and her partner is emerging as a young artist and getting a bit of attention. And this, her attempts to uh, put some attention on herself becomes very self-destructive mm-hmm. and hilarious at the same time. And now, if anybody if anybody else, uh, Greg or Peter, if you've got any of these movies mentioned in your top 10, please speak up because then we will we, we'll sort of quickly skip over it when you get to yours. Did any of you had, have those, Jackie's number nine in your top 10 list, Peter? No. And Greg? No. Okay. Did you both love it? I mean, it's I like so quirky. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. So, I know. Greg, what's your number nine? 
again, I've got a couple of um, ties there. How many in your top 10, Greg? Yeah, um, there's about 12. Right, okay. Well, I had 12 and I said it's a top 12. Okay. Yeah, um, in there I had of an age, um, the opening night at the Melbourne Film Festival from 2022, but this was a haunting and insightful gay scene coming of age film. Beautifully shot in Melbourne, I thought, as well, yeah. and I thought the performances were all excellent. And tying with that was a film called The Eight Mountains, um, Bittersweet. Oh, yes, that's out there now. That's out there right now, so people can still go and see it if they want to. Bittersweet, beautifully shot, languidly paced drama exploring the friendship between two men over the course of four decades, and it boasts some evocative and beautiful cinematography of the landscapes and everything. And I thought it's two and a half hours long, and I thought, leisurely paced, I'm going to fall asleep in this, and I didn't. Surprisingly, yep. I, I kept me engaged the whole way through. Peter, number eight. Uh, number nine? Number nine, sorry. Yes. <laughs> We're all losing count here. Uh, I like films that are challenging, and I thought Ari Aster's film, Bo is Afraid, was uh, out there. Very challenging, very clever, uh, um, but I really enjoyed it. And Joaquin Phoenix really suited the role, didn't he? He did. <laughs> if there was a movie made for Joaquin Phoenix, that was it. Um, but, yes, there, there's some remarkable scenes in that movie. Extraordinary. Very yes. good. I've got that higher up on my list too, Bo is Afraid. Ah, good. Thank you, Jackie. No, that's good. What what number on your list? I've got it at seven. Um, and what I one thing I particularly liked about it was, uh, or one thing that that reminded me more of it um, just recently, and it's I think it's being released January one is Dream Sequence, a Nicolas Cage film. Yes. Um, and I just saw you know similarities between the two of those, and enjoyed them similarly. Uh, but it's uh, Bo is Afraid was uh, was number seven for me. Fantastic. And my number nine was Maestro, which uh, I think you mentioned, Jackie, as well. The sort of American conductor, composer, penis, teacher, author Leonard Bernstein and his wife, the relationship between the two of them, play, played remarkably by Bradley Cooper, who's becoming not only a great actor, but a, a really great director as well. And Kerry Mulligan plays his wife. That was my number nine. And you mentioned, you, you were thinking, yeah, Dream Scenario does release on the 1st of January. So we are now down to number eight, Jackie. What's your number eight film, please? Oh, my number eight is Barbie. Oh, okay. I was. Sun, I know, Peter. You mentioned Sunshine and All Pink. Yeah, I. I know, Peter. You mentioned it as well. I was. I was disappointed. I wanted more out of Barbie, to be honest. But um, I'm pleased you liked it, Jackie. Uh, and I was. Oh, I I was Margot Robbie. Whoa, she's like you know number one. I love the banter in it, and the fun, and the characters, and and a lot of political and social commentary as well too. And you know, and and commentary on masculinity as well as you know. Feminism and feminist, it just like had a big bundle of everything in it. Uh, Margot Robbie was outstanding, no, no question about that. I, I, did, I was a bit traumatized by the beginning when the dolls were all battered, but there we go. Now, I, I, I just, I, I thought, I thought it could have had a little bit more. And the, the set design and the costuming also, I mean, it just had a real look yeah. about it. Mm, fair enough, Greg. Eight. I'm putting in these two Australian document music documentaries. Um, finding the voice, the timely engaging documentary about John Farnham, um, about his career and the recording of his comeback album, Whispering Jack, there. I thought it had lots of interesting interviews and archival footage. And the same about Ego, the Michael Gudinski story, the documentary about Michael Gudinski, the founder of Mushroom Records, um, an important figure in Australian music industry for 50 years. 
full of interviews, lots of our global footage, and plenty of music. And I thought it was a must for music fans, and especially Australian music fans. Mm, and Peter, your number eight. Number eight was Godland, the uh, Icelandic Danish uh, co-production about the priest in the 19th century who wanted to build a church uh, in a remote area of Iceland. And it just had so much to say about culture, religion, politics and society. Yeah, the, the ending really, whoa, it really uh, uh, sort of ignited, did it not, after a very, it's, it's, it's got a certain pace to it, but uh, yeah, it's quite incendiary. Uh, so my number eight is Saltburn, and that's been referenced as well, the comedy drama thriller, two hours, 11 minutes. What a bombshell of a film. Uh, the rules of engagement are constantly shifting. Slow burn, but when the axe falls, it's anything but blunt, and along the way there are some seriously outrageous moments, and the writer and director, Emerald Fennell, who went whack with Promising Young Woman, set out to make a film about love, and... Uh, the kind of sort of locust, scorched earth, cannibal love that you feel at a certain age. And this is sort of a modern Gothic romance, class, power and sex collide. So Barry Keehan, is he, is he not the one of the actors of the moment? He's this picture of restraint and conviction, one of the roles of his career, kind of like an animal watching and waiting for the right time to strike. Really like Rosamund Pike as well, had a wow of a time as an elegant, judgmental mother. And Richard E. Grant, uh, her aloof husband in this one, some breakout joyous moments. Prepare for a wild and wacky ride, Saltburn, which was an eight and a half out of ten for me. We are up to number seven, Jacqueline. Yes, we are. I've met my aforementioned, I was afraid, is that some number seven for me? Very good indeed. Gregory. Saltburn for me, um, that feature from Emerald Fennell, dark comedy thriller. Um, sort of like a debauched variation of the challenge of Mr. Ripley makes Brideshead revisited. And as you pointed out, Barry Cowden was really great in it. Yeah, wasn't it? Peter? Uh, for me, number seven was Saint Omer, a, a knockout of a film it about. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, I, actually, I regret having not put it in there. I, 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 I believe that I also gave that an eight and a half out of ten. So I'm going to have to re. I thought that was a wonderful film, Peter. Yeah. Good job. Yes. Yes, woman who's uh, killed her daughter and is on trial and a journalist who uh, mirrors her own life through the court experience. Really fantastic film. Yeah, and I know, Greg, you, you just you just didn't uh, didn't work for you, huh? That's right. Yep. Mm, fair enough. Okay, so my number seven is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which was an underbubbler for you, Greg. Yeah, um, the animation, action, adventure, two hours and 20 minutes, mesmerising graphics, non-stop, often helter-skelter action, they're the hallmarks. It's a sort of no shortage of dark edges here. It's a sort of multi-layered thrill ride. And it, it sort of picks up after the events of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, this one across the Spider-Verse, centering around a 15-year-old called Miles Morales, grounded by his folks. They they actually don't know he's Spider-Man. And, and he's reunited with Spider-Woman from another dimension, Gwen Stacy, and not realising that Spider-Woman is his daughter, a policeman, is relentlessly pursuing the masked warrior who's accused of murder. And and Miles travels across the multiverse and he comes face to face with a cavalcade of spider people. And I tell you what, you, you've got to concentrate because there are so many threads and, and you don't want to be overwhelmed or lost. But I really enjoyed the family dynamics of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Number six on J.A. 88 FM, the top six movies of 2023, Jackie Amadon. Number six for me is Broker, 
a South Korean film by a Japanese director who did Shoplifters in, I think it was about 2018 or something, which I absolutely loved as well. This is about a real dodgy couple of guys on the illegal baby trade business, um, but uh, deep down it becomes a story of um, creation of family, not through blood, but by uh, wanting to hang together and um, by, you know, meaning something to each other and backing each other up. And uh, quirky characters, I thought it was um, quite, it was actually very humorous and beautifully put together, Broker. I gave it nine out of ten, Broker. Wow. Okay. Terrific. Greg. My number six film is Poor Things, the latest film from Yorgos Lanthimos. It's a dark, bumpish comedy, following the extraordinary life and journey of self-discovery and sexual liberation of an unconventional heroine there. And this is probably the director's most accessible and entertaining film to date. Today, and I thought Emma Stone was fantastic in a complicated and complex role there. Mark Ruffalo, I thought, was having a lot of fun in his role as a lawyer. Um, and I thought William Dafoe was also sympathetic in his role as a mad scientist, father figure type. Apparently, his makeup sessions took four hours to create that um, disfigured face there. And I thought it was gorgeously shot by Robbie Ryan, who gave it an artificial visual quality there. Um, all things, just a film not easily forgotten once you've seen it. I totally agree, Greg. It's, it was my number four film of the year, and it just blows your mind when you see it. The creativity involved. I know, I know it's not an original work. It, it's sort of, uh, I think it was taken from a book, but it is just well worth seeing. I've recommended it to my brother-in-law, and he, he, he thanked me profusely. So um, it, it only opened on Boxing Day. So, folks, you've got plenty of opportunities to see it. Uh, Peter, was Poor Things in your time? On the other hand, if you don't want to see it, take my advice and don't bother. <laughs> oh, my golly. Now, if ever Jackie has been wrong. Because I'm looking forward to it so much, and Emma Stone is amazing, but not this film. If ever Jackie has been wrong, she's never been more wrong than now. Folks, mostly, utterly ignore anything that comes out of a mouth from here on in based on what not liking Poor Things. Peter, did you like it? Poor Things was my third best film of the year. I was just so impressed. I love challenging out there films, and this one is is definitely one. Um, but going back to number six, my uh, I am a really great fan of Wes Anderson because I love the way he challenges audiences. Uh, his scripts are very cleverly written insofar as they don't easily make sense, but you have to put various threads together. And his satire of the 50s in Asteroid City uh, impressed me, and so it was my number six film. So, Jackie, is there anything, apart from Emma Stone, is there anything good you can say about poor things? I hate it, uh, but I didn't... I didn't... I didn't enjoy it at all. Not at all. I found it um, disturbing and Frankenstein. That's. I mean, it, it's it's a Frankenstein and... story. Yeah, Jackie. That's it's it's a Frankenstein story. Yeah, I'm just telling you, and you can't argue with me. That's my view. I, I, no, I, your views. You're entitled to your view, even though it's wrong. It's good. I, 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 it was fabulous, actually. I thought his role was brilliant. Sorry, which... I, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was terrific. Um, okay, mm-hmm. my, my number six. Did you did you say After Sun was in your shockers or something, Jackie? As well, shockers. Yep. Golly, this just reinforces everything I know about you. Um, my number six best film, eight and a half out of ten. Sensitive, heartfelt, 
naturalistic film by a debut writer and director called Charlotte Wells, beautifully re reflective piece concerning an 11-year-old girl and the last holiday she took with her father about 20 years earlier. It was really beautiful. Uh, much of it's left unsaid, up to us, the audience, to interpret. Not clear until late in the piece of the time frame between the events captured and when the young girl is in the present day. But having said that, I thought that device used by Charlotte Wells worked really perfectly. And uh, I, I call it a film for selective taste, but it's a genuine piece of movie magic. There we go. Number five, Jackie. Oh, number five, The Blue Caftan, set in Morocco, a nine out of ten from me. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. A, a, a husband-wife relationship, this beautiful, intricate work, dressmaking, embroidery by craftsmen, this traditional thing, traditional. But there's a secret in the marriage. Um, a young apprentice is brought into the business. The wife is unwell. There's a, a, a different spark starts up. And um, it's a very, very tender film that leaves you with a lot to think about at the end. I thought it was beautiful. The Blue Caftan. Greg King, five. Yeah, well, I, I agree with Jackie. I had that in my underbubbles there. This, um, the underbubbling sex tension there is really good too. My number five film was Oppenheimer, the epic biopic about Robert Oppenheimer and the father of the atomic bomb. comes from Christopher Nolan. Um, Cillian Murphy, I thought, inhabited the character beautifully. But I thought Robert Downey Jr. was the one who left the biggest impression with his performance there. Um, and just a, a, a nicely crafted film. Mm. Peter, was that in your top ten? Uh, uh, yes, it was. Okay. Uh, I uh, Oppenheimer, I think, was number four, but we'll come back to that. Uh, number five for me was Maestro. Yes, it was a really well-made look at Leonard Bernstein and uh, uh, especially the marriage in particular, the focus on the relationship there, and uh, I really liked it. Greg, was Maestro in your top ten? Yes. Yes. So in other words... It's yet to come. It's actually my number three film. Yeah, good. Okay, yeah, and that's why. Good. So um, so in other words, it was in, Jackie was in your top 10 as well, I think you mentioned. It was my, it was, uh, my honourable mention, just oh, under. So, so yeah, so it, it's it's in my top 10. So three of us in the top 10 and one is an honourable mention. So that that's a, a nicely consistent uh, film. My number five was Marcel Lachelle with Shoes On. What a delightful animated comedy drama. One and a half hours. Extraordinarily original piece of work. Delightful tale. Beautifully told. Marcel, voiced by Jenny Slate, this one-inch-high shell that came from a, a large community of shells, and uh, now only he and his grandmother, Connie, voiced by Isabella Rosalini, remain. And and into their Airbnb residence and live steps an amateur documentary filmmaker. It takes off from there. Uh, something very special. Stop-motion animation is state-of-the-art, melding it so seamlessly with live action and such natural dialogue. I thought, God, a work of genius. I was left astounded at the sheer creativity and masterful execution of Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Number four, Jackie. Past Lives. Mm -hmm. Korean film, um, you know, distance romance, uh, re recovered romance, if you like. Um, a, 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 a Korean girl who goes to Canada and then on to America and, you know, she gets married and thing, and um, is the... Re, um, makes contact again with someone who was a kind of a school school romance, you know, in, when they were very young, uh, primary school, I think. And um, and it's just, a, you know, the husband realises that she was a whole different person 
he he had never known had a whole life before he'd met her um I, I just I just the opening scene which is then revisited later in the film uh, to me just I'll never forget it had a really magical quality and um we've met in a past life and we leave a piece of ourselves with every past deep relationship I thought it resonated beautifully Greg King number four um again it's a split of a last film show which is a beautiful Indian film an ode to the lost art of project, cinema rejection and an evocative celebration of cinema culture as a charming film from India, which was infused with the same love and passion for cinema and its transformative power as the classic cinema paradiso with a great little natural performance from the lead kid. And I also couldn't separate it from the old oak, the probably the last film from British veteran Ken Loach, um, whose career yeah, spans for yep, six decades. I thought it was a humanistic drama about community, refugees in their plight and belonging. And most of the cast is non-professional, but Loach drew, drew good performances from them. A nice, nicely observed piece of film. Um, now, now, Greg, you said to me you only had 12 films in your top 10. So far, I've got 14. Good so, on you. Okay. And where that came, I'm an English teacher, not a math teacher. Exactly, clearly. Peter, what's your number four? Uh, number four, definitely Oppenheimer, uh, a really superbly made film. For me, the best part of the film was the last third of the film with the McCarthy witch hunt trials and and how uh, Oppenheimer was vilified for the scientific breakthroughs that he did have with the uh, atomic bomb. Uh, a really beautifully made film, uh, highly impressed by it. So Oppenheimer is definitely number four for me. And we've mentioned Poor Things, which is my number four. So we are into the top three, Jackie Hamilton. What's your third best film of 2023, please? And just following on from what Peter just said, I didn't want to interrupt, but Oppenheimer is my number three. I gave it a nine out of ten. I thought it was absolutely gripping and brilliant way of bringing together all those different um, threads of the story at different time periods. And the cinematography was great, the attention to detail and just the, like the weaving of the timelines into the narrative. And it was just totally gripping Oppenheimer. Greg, your number three. As I mentioned before, Maestro, the second film from Bradley Cooper, is a director there, the biopic about Leonard Bernstein. Um, tasted more of an impressionistic approach to the material, and I thought Bradley Cooper as the director made some bold stylistic choices here, shooting some scenes in black and white, um, boxy academy ratio there. And I thought his performance as Bernstein was also superb, and he inhabited the character. And I thought Kelly Mulligan was also great as his wife, and she matches him all the way and as a force to be reckoned with in her own right, um, an engaging doc, um, biopic. Peter. Uh, number three, Poor Things, definitely. Yeah, uh, a superb yeah. film. Yeah, very, very good. Okay, we're down to the last two, and we're limited in time. So what is your number? number three. Oh, my number three, sorry. I apologise quite rightly. The Whale. I thought a film that excited me more than any other post-lockdown, because we, of course, had periods where we didn't see anything, uh, and while the story is remarkable, it's the acting that had me championing at the bit to recommend it. It also marked the return of Brendan Fraser. I was so excited by that. Film of rare quality, worked its way into my psyche as only the finest offerings can. Gave it a 9 out of 10, set in a small rundown first floor apartment in Idaho. And Brendan Fraser's character is this middle-aged online uni English teacher who's morbidly obese, blood pressure off the charts, suffering from congestive heart failure he can hardly move and he orders daily pizzas and uh, lives alone in the apartment never leaves relies upon daily visits from a nurse friend that is the whale 
Number two, Jackie. Well, the problem here is that unlike Greg, I've been very fair about this and just been marking, even though they get the same score, working my way up to the 10. And I've reached the point where I have two films on 9.5. I cannot separate them. They are poles apart. You will not believe that these two films are the favourite films coming out of one person. Jackie, we've got two minutes left in the whole session. Go for it. What are they? Saltburn. Yes. And Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. How's that? Two different films. Lovely. Both of which have been mentioned. Terrific. Greg King. My second film was still the powerful drama exploring racism and prejudice and a blatant miscarriage of justice in America's deep south. Based on a true story, I thought it was a powerful howl of outrage that actually made me angry. Mm, Good on you. And Peter? Number two was Past Live. Superb film. Sliding Doors uh, storyline. Excellent. Excellent film. And mine was Tar, which we've mentioned uh, at the at the outset. So we come to number one. Jackie has already mentioned her too, which is terrific. And Marcel the Shell with shoes on. And what was the other one, Jackie? I'm sorry. Saltburn. Saltburn. Oh, my God. Loved it. Yeah. It was a terrific film. Okay. Greg? What? Number one? Not was, what? Yes. You're number one. Was Close, the beautiful film from Belgium about the friendship between the two young boys there. Yeah whose friendship was misinterpreted by school bullies and led to tragedy. I thought it featured fine natural performances from the two young leads, which beautifully shot and just a delightful little film. Oh, it was a delightful little film. And Peter Krauss, I'm, I, I, I'm curious. Go for it. My number one film is Martin Scorsese's superb evocation of the uh, uh, implications of uh, Indigenous uh, involvement, uh, etc. Killers of the Flower Moon, just a superbly made film with so much in the storyline. There is so much in the storyline, it could have been longer and broken into two, is my opinion of that. But I thought it was... Uh, uh, I, I, the only thing I didn't like about it was the scowl that was permanently affixed to um, to Leonardo DiCaprio's face, Peter. Does that really matter? <laughs> yes, it does. It's such a significant part of the film. My number one film has already been mentioned, Oppenheimer. I thought it was incredible. I, who usually criticise the running time of a movie, this was three hours, absolutely. I was transfixed for the entirety of the movie. And like Greg, I thought that, well, there there, are, there is Oscars waiting for this movie. Uh, we're not just talking silly and Murphy. It was absolutely brilliant. But Robert Downey Jr. as well uh, was very much a scene stealer. And uh, it's a terrific film. Uh, I mean, what a great filmmaker Christopher Nolan is. Thank you very much indeed. Jackie Hamilton, a pleasure. Peter Krause, pleasure as well. Greg King, bring some sense and sensibility to our top and bottom 10. We'll do it all again next year, hopefully, all things being equal. And uh, we'll be back next week on First on Film and Entertainment. <laughs>